Welcome to episode 9 of Rank and Review. I'm your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. And I gotta warn you kids, we're getting dark today. The subject of this week's episode is torture porn. And uh, I'm gonna come right out with it, full disclosure. This is not my favorite type of horror movie. It might even be my least favorite type of horror movie. But that doesn't mean that I can't have a conversation about it, and I can't see some of the good in the midst of all of the bad. Yes, as usual, I would like to warn everybody that there will be spoilers abound in this episode, and there will be some coarse language. Um, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 9 of Rankin Review. Torture Point. back in my filthy, filthy garage for episode 9 of Rankin Review, Torture Porn. Kind of ironic in this setting. <laughs> yes. Jared Berry, welcome back to the podcast. Um, you're with me for episode 2, Plague and Apocalypse. Um, I actually thought it was going to be a tough sell finding somebody who was going to latch on <laughs> to uh, Torture Porn, and once again, the man that I can count on to run right towards the anti-date movies <laughs> was Jared Berry. Um, I asked you a little bit earlier, are you a fan of the genre of torture porn? And you said, yes, but... Yeah, well, it's secret... I mean, yes, they're... In my mind, I, I still like them. Uh, it's a very guilty pleasure, for sure, and it feels weird saying it out loud. But it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any way you can really defend it without, like, you know, seeming sort of weird or crazy. You know, just because of the subject... But ironically, it was like, yeah, a lot of times when I would have dates or be hanging out with, uh, you know, friends and stuff like that, these just happen to be the movies you put on, so they're weirdly tied to good memories. Well, I mean, as much as there are, are women who, and I completely understand it, would find these to be vile and reprehensible films, there is the other side of the coin. There are, the, there are women who are actually quite into it, and there's an interesting psychology there. Um the term torture porn is relatively new, but this type of movie is not. I mean, one of the movies we're going to talk about is Last House on the Left, the remake. Now, the original came out in the very early 70s, yeah. and uh, it was one of the first things Wes Craven did. And it was, you know, really tested the gag reflex of most of the critics of the time. Um, so, even though it's got the reputation of being this new thing, torture porn 
or whatever you want to call it, has been around for a while. But it does seem to have a resurgence in popularity. And uh, I'm a lover of the horror genre, and I like horror movies that are particularly bleak and heavy, but I would not say very proudly that I am a fan of torture porn. (laughs) Anyone would say proudly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know. As a subgenre of film, I think that the one authentic new genre that we've gotten in our generation Mm -hmm. is is the found footage one. Again, there have been found footage movies before it, but basically 99% of your movies in the found footage genre happen after 1999, coincidentally after the Blair Witch Project. Mm. (laughs) It was terrifying. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, for some reason, my generation is credited with both found footage and torture porn. Like I said, I don't think we deserve that necessarily, but that's what we're credited with. (laughs) Um, but I like scary movies I like intense movies and Mm. I don't need everything to be sunshine and rainbows at the end of the the story but I'm not about just watching someone slowly being tortured to death for 20 minutes I just doesn't as a rule do it for me but I mean I want to look at every sort of angle of a different kind of horror movies and I uh, wanted to give a pass on some of these so-called torture porn in general. Uh, we're going to be looking at probably the one, the film most responsible for repopularizing it, mm-hmm. uh, Saw. Uh, one of two French films called Martyrs. The Rob Zombie, very well respected uh, for its genre, The Devil's Rejects. As I mentioned, the remake of The Last House on the Left. Uh, another French film called High Tension from uh, on Alexandre Alja, who... Uh, directed the remake of The Hills Have Eyes and the remake oh. of uh, Piranha 3D. So this was his genre. This, this was, is his niche. This is, yeah, this is definitely is where awesome. he belongs. And uh, lastly, uh, Hostel, Eli Roth's quite popular backpacker horror flick. Um, now, I, I, I tried to pick one that, that were considered well-respected within this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen all of them. I'd seen most of them. But I was coming to them with fresh eyes. <laughs> I wanted to give them all a fair shake. Uh, it's kind of weird to watch the, a bunch of movies this ugly all close together. I mean, the closest... It was a weird to, marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was much like the Plague and Apocalypse yeah. one, and it's sort of its oppressive nature. I mean... <laughs> I recently did Terrible Twos with my buddy Jeremy, and that was watching six bad sequels. But yeah. this was a whole different animal. You know? Well, I thought it was a little odd, too, because it was like trying to finish classes and studying for finals, and then I'm like, no, I need to take like a mental hour and a half, two hour break. What can I do? And I had this stack of movies, and I was like, all right, I'll just work my way through these. So it's like, you know, grueling, depressing, torturous day, and then the few hour break that I decide to take. Let's watch some suffering. Yeah. It was a dark time for me. So what itches that scratching, do you think? What is that that we watch suffering, specifically suffering? I mean, I know most films involve violence or Mm -hmm. jeopardy or peril, but I think what what earns it the moniker torture porn is that we really zero in on pain and suffering. Yeah, it's, uh, it's this weird cultural... Uh, need to sort of look at the car accident and like in you know 2,000 frames a second slow motion you know where it's like Hitchcock had the whole adage that you know we never he he thought it was more terrifying to not see the violence 
and so that we have that sort of look away as an audience and yet we're seeing that like there's this need or this terror that people want to look at and they want to witness it because they've been denied yeah. that for so long that it's this weird subculture of I it wanted to see what happened you. before the scene cut. It invites you into the violence. I guess that might be one of the reasons I am not such a big fan is that I, I actually like a movie that respects its audience and will let us use our own imagination yeah. against us. A lot of the times when you cut away what I imagined or what that sound effect, you know, how that makes me react is worse than any prosthetic effect would be. Which is funny too because I, uh, I think that that is part of the reason that I like... Uh, watching these movies, not in, not in that uh, sort of uh, needing to watch someone get tortured, but you know I've done a little bit of special effects makeup, like on our movie things like that. And I took a course from a lady who did uh, Freddy Krueger's makeup. It was just like a small little one day workshop, and then I got really interested in theatrical violence, like burns, right. cuts, things like that. So when you see some of these effects, a lot of them are on screen effects. Now there's a lot of CGI, but uh, there was a lot that were sort of on-screen effects, and I always thought, how do they do that? Yeah, it's unfortunate I don't have any of the work of Tom Savini in this collection, no, because he is really, and remains kind of the master yeah. of this. Um, you know, Greg Nicotero and KNB effects mm -hmm. are sort of the top of the line these days, I guess. Yeah. Right? But um, uh, I really like the prosthetic effects. Yeah. I think if you can marry them well, like I, I've talked a lot of shit about CGI, but if you marry them well, if you have a bit of CGI yeah. with the prosthetics where you, you use the CGI to help on the softer edges of the prosthetics, yeah, for sure. it can be quite, quite effective. Um, no, like I say, I can handle violence. I can handle intense and unpleasant movies, but I don't know how I feel. I have mixed feelings about a movie that is just all about making me feel awful, you know? And to know, what are these movies about? That's I think that that you're going to hear this again yeah. and again in these reviews. I mean, like, okay, here's the beats of the story. This is what's happened. This is how well or not well it's executed. But what is the point? What is this movie about, really, you know? Yeah. And maybe I'm looking too hard at it because, you know, I'm a little bit critical of this. But as I've said many times, I don't want this podcast to be all about hate. So I'm going to try to be objective as we... Uh, you know, wallow into torture porn. Is there anything else you want to say before we get started? No, let's get going. Let's do it. I want to play a game. The Jigsaw Killer. Technically speaking, he's not really a murderer. He never killed anyone. He finds ways for his victims to kill themselves. Hello, madam. Dr. Gordon. He doesn't want us to cut through our chains. No! He wants us to cut through our feet. Let the game begin. If you want to die, you just have to stay where you are. Okay, so James Wan uh, is sort of coming up in the world of horror. Uh, mm -hmm. He uh, his had quite a bit of success. He did a film called Insidious, which I quite yeah. liked. Um, and he did a puppet-themed movie called Dead Silence. Oh, yes. And um, I'm missing another really obvious one. Anyway, this is the first... Uh, this is sort of the movie that put him on the map. It's kind of a, a cool concept, in a lot of ways, one-room thriller called Saw. Um yeah, it's a it's a well-made 
but cheaply made, uh, sort of in the spirit of seven kind of serial yeah. killer movie. Um, the catch with the ingenious killer in this film is that the victims are, he's not in the same room as the victims when they die. He basically sets up an elaborate trap and the victim can usually find a way to survive, but it involves some kind of dreadful self-mutilation. <laughs> There's a terrible price to be paid to survive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually on a clock, he's usually presumably watching them through a video and they die. Uh, and so as we're learning about the history of this, uh, this jigsaw killer, as he's called, uh, we are in a room with Carrie Elways from famously from the princess bride and, uh, another actor who's actually a co credited on the screenplay for this, um, Lee Winnell, I'm probably murdering his name, Lee or Leigh Winnell. Anyway, two men are in a room. There's a body in the middle of it. And there are clues that they can sort of figure out to try and get them out of this terrible predicament they're in. It's high on concept. It's high on gore. It's got a surprisingly uh, A-list cast, considering the subject matter. Danny Glover shows up in yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Danny Glover. Ken Leung, or Leung, how would you say that name? Mm. Um He's he was in Lost and I've seen him in a few. Other oh things. yeah, he was. Uh, he's uh, Danny Glover's partner in it. That's right. Uh, what did you think of Saw? I never liked that movie. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. I I didn't mind the second one so much. Uh, the the first one, okay. Uh, actor Princess Bride. What's his name? Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes. I've seen him do some pretty decent stuff and I've seen him do some pretty terrible stuff and I think this sort of fell on that bottom list of general performances. Right. Uh, I just genuinely feel like he was not only phoning it in, but sort of making fun of us as he was... Felt like a paycheck production to you? That and a half, you know? And I thought that it was like... I don't know. To me, if I wanted to believe that the story was happening, he seemed to pull it back that it was an absolute farcity. Yeah. So it was mainly the performance that sunk it for you? Uh, that and just like the gen- general logic of the killer and why these people are set up and stuff. It's just this whole notion of, oh, he's giving them a chance and oh, he doesn't... I was in one of the sequels, they say, oh, he's never actually killed somebody. Or they say that in this one, I can't remember. But I'm just like... That's a I'm dubious like, that's, distinction. That's, you, 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 you killed, killed these, these people. people. Yes. You know, and for me, and like they try and pitch throughout the series, it's like sort of concept that is like, oh, you might actually be okay with what he's doing in the sense that like you, he tries to make a logical argument for it, and I just think it's flawed. Right. And I just, I don't know. it For a franchise and a movie generally, I didn't think it was that great. Um, yeah, it's familiar territory in a lot of ways for me. Like I said, I got a very big sort of 90s grimy 7 serial killer vibe. This is well-worn, well-trodden territory. Yeah. Um, what I get a little bit uncomfortable with is, yeah, the moralizing of this character. He's punishing people for not appreciating their lives. Yeah. But he's also a sadist. He's punishing them in the most cruel way possible. Crawl through a bunch of razor wire, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, figure out a way out of this head trap where I'm going to open your head like a wall. There's a key inside of somebody yeah. else. Retrieve it. Yeah. You have 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's obviously, like, just to have those thoughts, to invent that this guy is not someone you're going to want to have a beer with, right? No. And even so, I would have let let that premise lie if he was punishing the guilty, if this yeah. was a, a Dexter position that yes. they were trying to take. But he was also killing the police officers that were pursuing him yeah. with elaborate booby traps. And I don't know where that fits into the morality of it. No, it just generally seemed flawed. And that was the other thing that made me mad ever since I saw the film, was that it was, it was like a sh- shittier seven. Yeah. And we've brought up seven a few times, but I feel like it's this blatant seven situation for people who are being punished for things. But once again, the logic just didn't seem there. I liked the I liked the idea that some guy had to sit around and think of elaborate ways for people to die yeah. in a movie. And like to me, I was like, that's where, if any creative element goes into, it's just the elaborate contraptions or devices. It was a very twisted individual who came up with these. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, the elaborateness just and the wonkiness of like some of these traps, I think, is the only real savable feature to it. It's a movie that's sold on its concept, and it was sold, what was there, six or seven of them altogether before they quit? After four or three uh, uh, yeah, were watching. The, well, again, uh, it got kind of ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I say that as a person who's watched every uh, installment of Friday the 13th, but... Yeah. Uh, it's not my bag. I mean, maybe we'll get further into the soft franchises. I get further into the podcast, but it's not one of these things that I'm really excited and interested to, yeah. to, to to dip into the pool. And maybe there's some interesting things to be said, and maybe I will be proved wrong. Time will tell. But uh, this is there's going to be a lot of things that will will bubble to the top before yeah. <laughs> before the soft franchise. There were so many movies of this flavor for so long mm. you know i think of movies I got like exhausted the bone collector and fallen and, the and the, they would have this you know t- typically very dark very rainy very moody uh elaborately Shouldn't richly shot style, yeah. yeah uh and you know we just there's so many times i just uh to be there again you know kind of starts off on the wrong foot the concept again for a one-room thriller works soundly enough uh, the they do a lot of work with the camera. They they you know the movie looks good and uh, feels right because we haven't talked very much about the violence in it. <laughs> well, the thing was I don't know the violence to me was like yeah it was all right. But the other thing is I think it would have been better as a Broadway play. <laughs> okay. You know it's in one room, but you know and how do you mimic the violence? It's sort of a special effect show. Right. But the violence, you know, there's a couple couple of key ones I guess. Them getting a dull saw that cannot cut through their chains. Yes, as and that is not meant to cut their, cha- their yeah. chains. Yes. And I was like, okay, I see yeah. where you're going. That's clever. <laughs> uh, the blood and the poison on the tip of the cigarette, that was that was sort of interesting. Kind of rapey, though. Like, <laughs> you know, where I'm thinking, the guy who knows about, like, you know, dipping cigarettes in, like, poison or some sort of, like, roof and all is the guy who, like, wrote this. I don't know. That one... Out of anything, that's what didn't sit well with me. It was like right. I was like that guy had some very dark knowledge about some things. Surprisingly to me, upon watching Saw, I found this to be relatively tame compared to the other movies out of these six. Yes, for the reputation that this movie holds. I mean, it's not like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre no. or the original Halloween. 
if you watch those movies, they're almost bloodless. Yeah. Uh, but they have this reputation of being completely fucking off the wall, right? Yeah. But watch them again. You could almost play them in prime time and, and yeah. very few people would bitch. Exactly. Um, that's not maybe necessarily the case with Saw, but again, for the reputation that it has, I found it pretty mild. It on was the kindergarten cop compared to the <laughs> list of movies we have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else you want to say about Saw? No, let me move on. Okay, this film has a horrendous reputation, and uh, there's a banner across the top of the DVD that reads, This movie contains scenes of violence and horror that may provoke feelings of disgust, repulsion, and fear. The movie's called Martyrs. It's French, and it's directed by a man named Pascal Laurier. So he knows he's serious. Like that. Um... Well, that's one of the positive things that I will say about this film. It is a high-minded uh, sort of about-something piece yeah. of torture porn. Um, but it is also horrendous. Absolutely terrifying in a lot of parts. Um, what did you think of Martyrs? Oh, it's this weird... Uh, I'm, it's a love-hate thing because there is aspects of it that I love, but I... The thing is, I'm also breaking it down, like, cinematography-wise, special effects-wise, and in that sense, I'm, I'm thinking it's, some, it's one of the most beautifully shot films. And I'll give that to a lot of French directors. They know how to put a story in an interesting dynamic. Oh, uh, there were some talented people behind the camera making this movie. This is an incredibly cinematic, well-made piece. Yeah. The subject matter is, like I said, horrendous. Uh, yeah, and the first part of it, I thought was, I was like, I, I was following it. I was like, okay, yeah, extreme violence. This is terrifying. Uh, at that one point, the woman who she's allegedly, this girl's running from, and we'll get into that, I guess, in a bit here. Well, should we push the plot a little bit? Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, this character, I say Lucy. Yeah, Lucy. Uh, she has been. When she was 10 years old, she was kidnapped and tortured uh, for a long period of time. We're not exactly sure how long, but she escaped her captors. Um, Good but for her. needless to say, it had a terrible, terrible effect on her. And she's been slowly recuperating in a hospital. She contacts her friend, uh, Anna, mm -hmm. because she believes she has found the people responsible. Anna comes to help her really, really fragile, dangerously not well, mentally friend. And it all starts in a family home. Um, uh, this We do give spoilers before we talk about these movies, yeah. so I think we just, gotta, we just gotta say where it goes. Yeah. Uh, basically an entire family is wiped out by this woman. With a shotgun, and yeah. it was epic. It was unreal. <laughs> Absolutely fucking blew my mind. And 
everybody was was sentenced to death. Everybody was guilty, and you know, <laughs> that's the that's the thing is like you wanted to believe she's crazy. Yeah, and you had doubts, especially when it started. You don't know enough to know if she's got her head on her shoulders or not. Yeah, this woman is hallucinating. <laughs> uh, hallucinating she, this terrible, terrible curse. Yeah. It's the emotions that this movie stir up, I mean, are very, very real. Like, I, I, it affected me in a a very very raw emotional level. Uh, it was a movie where I had my hand on the remote to pause it or stop it at times, which I guess means it was doing what it meant to do. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the performances were great. Uh, I mean, it's obviously it was, was subtitled in French, uh, but... You definitely felt that these the emotions rung absolutely true, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of ambiguity about what you were seeing because you didn't know if she was just crazy or if these people deserved it, or if they deserved it, did their children deserve it, especially their children because what could these people have actually done? Did the children torture you, or was this just adding to the punishment? Who knows exactly what was going on in her head, yeah. but obviously this does not accomplish what she really felt she needed, because she is continuing to act out in violent suicidal tendencies, sawing brutally into her arm. <laughs> and the whole time hallucinating, thinking that this weird creature. creature-like woman is chasing her, and to be honest, that that woman is one of the most terrifying things I've seen in cinema wow. for a long time. Yeah. A long time. Like, that, most of the time I can sort of get over these these monstrous creatures. For some reason, that one did not sit well with me, and I was extremely impressed by that, because after I watched enough of this torture porn sort of thing, I feel like you kind of get numb to a lot of these things, and that one didn't sit well with me. That jarringness, I think, is what made me happy about this movie. Well, it's at this point that the movie sort of shifts gears. And at this point, you know, you've been brought through the ringer already. Uh, uh, you're halfway through the movie, and I'm exhausted and horrified more than any three other horror movies that I would ever watch. So again, points for that. It is an effective horror movie. Mm-hmm. But when the plot shifts from its its focused from Lucy to Anna we sort of get film two it's almost the I, yeah I just wanted them I thought it would have been a strong movie if it just cut it off at the first half maybe the second half could have been a sequel but I wasn't ready for both halves yeah th- this movie's merciless and uh, not just on its characters but on its audience I just I didn't know what to do at that point it was just yeah, the second they should have been split into two movies. <laughs> yeah, really. It it was I would have uh, if they ended with the first one, I would have thought it was absolutely the most brilliant film <laughs> I had like seen in a while and not sure how to process it. Sort of like that Spring Breakers movie, just don't know how to sit on it. Uh, I I you know I would say it's amazing, it's effectively made and it's doing what it means to do well. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea. No. Um the second half of the movie is where it gets a little bit more high-minded. No, 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 sir. We're not just about brutality and violence. I mean, that's what got you to buy your ticket. That's what you're here to see. But mm-hmm. we have some ideas. And 
they're really troubling ideas as well. This movie is essentially about religious extremism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is a very real thing. We do mercifully find out she was at least right about these people. Yeah. There's a secret passage in their house that leads to... Torture dungeon chambers. So clinical, though. Yeah. It's extremely well put together. It's interesting, though, in that the people carrying out these acts of torture are not getting off any kind of sadistic sexual vibe at all. In no, fact, I think when yet they have a distaste for it themselves. Yeah. But they're trying to create martyrs, and martyrs' jobs are to suffer. Yeah. So they cause they as much suffering as they possibly can on these women. And uh, see, they get them to this threshold where they go to this Zen-like spiritual state. Yeah. And this would be some great blessing for her and for them for creating this vessel. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because it's like the whole time you're like the martyrs and the, you show the pictures and you look at all those religious photos where they have the eyes pointed up to the sky, which is what we see later on and the fact that it's like, oh yeah, this is what they want and so this is what they need to create people. It's terrifying. Yeah. I grew up with that shit in school on painted glass and, you know, textbooks and stuff like that. I'm like, these are the images. And then like, when you see that, I'm like, that was a very real thing for me. Yeah. No, uh, it's upsetting. Yeah. It's genuinely upsetting. And I, I, again, I have a lot to respect of that. Like, they really found a way to make a torture porn movie about something. But here comes my butt. <clears throat> but in the end, it is really a movie that is made so that we can see women suffer. Which seems like a theme in the French movies we witnessed yeah. this time around. But yeah, it is about it yeah. is about suffering. At the end of the day, as well made as it is and as cool a concept as it is and as much genuine thought and care and love was put into this film, I still, it, it doesn't sit completely right with me, you know. Um, uh, it's about something more than just torture and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, it's amazingly well done. The special effects are nauseating. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's going to rank high on the list yeah. for me. Um, but this is a movie that I would recommend to fans of this genre only. I can say that it's a good entry in this genre, but you cannot just say, oh yeah, throw in Martyrs, you guys, I'll, you'll have a great popcorn movie time with that, you know. I'm sure, you know, you show this to the wrong girl and that's going to end the relationship. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I respect this movie. And I am repelled by it. Mm-hmm. What police have uncovered reads like this. Words can't describe it. Are we here? We are playing on a level that most will never see. You're gonna start to kill him. You best start it right here.
Okay, so this is the only sequel, I guess, that we have in the list of six movies. It's called The Devil's Rejects. It's directed and written by Mr. Rob Zombie. It's a sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're connected, but not necessarily directly related. We sort of we we learned their modus operandi. This is basically a redneck, very Texas Chainsaw Massacre-style family that really seems to enjoy killing people, that take real pleasure in torment. And these are our protagonists. <laughs> in a way, yes, because we're following the villains. We are, this, we yeah. are. Um, and more than that, we're cheering for the villains. And, I, I, well, well this, is, this is the debate about the movie. For this genre, for the genre of torture porn, The Devil's Reject is a very respected film. Um, Roger Ebert gave it thumbs up. This is a man who on television decried the horror genre in the 80s on national television. Um, And it is, again, very well made. Rob Zombie knows what he's doing when he's making a movie. I think that everything that's on screen is exactly what he wanted. He mm-hmm. likes very specific, grainy, throwback 70s style look. Yeah, he goes back to it again and again and again. Yeah, He likes white trash Tarantino style dialogue served up with as much fucks as possible. Yeah. yeah. You'll see that in all of his films. Yeah, uh, he'll flaunt his uh, gorgeous wife, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, in front of the camera. Yeah. And Every other woman in the film will be asked to appear naked. Sherry Moon will uh, just be asked to show off her acting ability. <laughs> with a little bit of butt cleavage. Yeah. And then you move because she's walking through a swamp. But that's all you get, right? The film opens with the police basically laying siege to their home. They finally conclusively found out that they're responsible for the presumably hundreds of missing people uh, complaints. Because <laughs> it just wouldn't start to figure it out They after a don't while. seem to be hiding their insanity particularly well. They all yeah. seem to be fairly raving lunatics. Yeah. The police, led by uh, William Forsyth, yeah. who's avenging his brother, who I believe was a character who was killed off in the, in the first one, film, yeah. Uh, leads these on a vengeance-fueled assault on the on the compound. A couple of family members uh, are killed. One is sort of lost into the wilderness. And the rest of them, um, Sherry Moon Zombie uh, being one of them, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig being the Sid others. Hag. Sid Haig. playing the crazy clown character. He's one of the staple like horror movie <laughs> actors. Uh, basically have to hit the road. They obviously have some sort of plan as to what to do in the uh, occasion that this, something like this would happen. Yeah. But uh, it's basically a dark-as-hell road movie, vigilante, crime, caper. Yeah. Um, again, I have nothing positive things to say about the production of the film, but I have a lot of problems with the script and uh, with... Where the heart of the movie, if there is one, lies. What did you think of The Devil's Rejects? Uh, I, well, I thought I liked it, and then I rewatched it, and maybe it was, again, the timing in which I was watching these movies. But this one I started to like less and less. Uh, The one thing is, I I wouldn't necessarily say that I was ever cheering for these people. Uh, Throughout the whole movie, my thought was, when are they going to, like, you know, get it, like, when are they? When are the villains going to be? Like the tables are going to turn, and yeah. they're going to be tortured, and it sort of did that, you know, for me. Because I, I saw House of Thousand Corpses, I was like, 
I didn't feel good about it because I was just like, oh, these delusional lunatics are just killing people for what reason? I don't think there is one. Yeah. They've never established it other than the fact that they're just crazy hillbilly fucks living on the outside of town. House of a Thousand Corpses is, is, to my mind, basically a very direct tribute to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's interesting in that it's Rob Zombie's first feature film. It has... Um, Rain Wilson from The Office yeah, and, and uh, um, Chris Hardwick from the Nerdist Enterprises mm-hmm. in it. Sort of interesting time capsule performances sort of before they were famous yeah. roles. Um, but it's a movie of few pleasures, I find. Um, I would say this movie, this Devil's Rejects, is significantly yeah. more interesting and entertaining than House of a, Ca- a Thousand Corpses was yeah, for me. Absolutely. The soundtrack too was also I mean once again he loves the 70s yeah. I get it but you know like he had some absolutely amazing soundtrack choices and I'm pumped that none of them were from him yeah good choice yeah I was Especially like with the 70s. I was like he knew I mean I find him flaunting his wife in every movie sort of this weird like masturbatory thing that he's like oh look what I'm married to <laughs> uh, she needs work I'm gonna make a movie and star her like she was fine up until like Halloween two, and I was like, "Hey, this is ridiculous!" Like, yeah, and we're gonna get more Sherry Moon and Lords of Salem. Exactly, so. and I just and I'm just I don't, I, I think that that's a really weird self indulgent thing where he has to understand that we need you need to pull back a little bit, and it's just sort of like, oh, this is all my thing. But that's the other thing that I sort of enjoy about these movies is, like it or hate it, whatever was on screen, I honestly believe was his idea and yeah. what he wanted. And I kind of like that, that that's his untouched artist process. Yeah. No, he definitely, you know, he makes his films. Like I say, I'm not, there. it's not my flavors necessarily that I would agree with. Yeah. But I know when I'm watching Rob Zombie, uh, I know that, you know, I'm in the hands of somebody else that they're doing. And I do believe that one mm-hmm. day he's going to find the right script. Oh, And yeah. he is going to make a fucking amazing horror Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. I don't think this is it. No. I don't think this is it. And sadly, neither were either of his Halloweens. Uh, There's interesting things to be said about both of them, but uh, uh, I see here a person with a lot of talent and uh, a person who knows the genre, and I think that he needs to find the right script. Um, I don't like any of these characters, and I think that the movie does like them. I think that the movie goes out of its way to start vilifying the police. Yeah. uh, And... uh, that these people are, they're certainly not like the Saw Jigsaw character teaching, no. but they're preaching, you know. They're not just killing people, they torture people. And while they torture people, they spout off their sort of redneck, bloodlust, sort of modus operandi. Yeah. I want you to pray to God, and I want a lightning bolt to shoot down from the sky and stop me. You pray, and maybe your God will save you. No, he won't. I'm going to brutally kill you. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Now, and this is largely what the entire first movie concerned itself with. Yeah. What's really bizarre about this family that they attach themselves to at a, at a motel uh, and torment and kill is that there's no motivation for this crime at all. They're on the lam from the police. They should, if anything, be trying to keep a low profile. Mm-hmm. You know, steal their vehicle and get get on the road and make get some distance between you and, and you know. Yeah. But No. No, they're going to kill these people. And they're not just going to kill these people. They're going to torture them slowly. They're going to psychologically torture them. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to enjoy every second of it. 
They're going to sexually humiliate the mother in front of her family. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna skin some guy and wear him uh, a mask of him of and show the results to the man's wife, which is a very Texas Chainsaw. Uh, like, absolutely, there and you go. Wear in the face. It was a direct bow to the original film as well. But so was their house. And if you've ever seen a picture of John Wayne, not John Wayne, uh, Ed Gein's right. house, it's it's clearly like that's the model. Yeah, like. And I think the most repellent of all of this is the one character who she's actually wearing the flesh mask of her husband mm-hmm. and flees hysterical from the premises only to get run down by a semi-trailer. I thought that was a little for much. a laugh. Yeah, it was for a, a that's, laugh. That's the one part I was like for a laugh. Yeah, it was. We it don't was give a shit about them. It's no. hilarious that all of that happened to them. That's the perspective that the film takes. We're cheering for them. I really do think so. And especially the way William Forsythe's character goes completely insane. Uh, yeah. Now, the mother, the matriarch of the family, is not well portrayed. She's like uh, just a blathering lunatic. It's not even the same actress from the first one. No, no. I guess they couldn't They couldn't. on a, they a couldn't price. Su- oh, on a price. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, I was like... Because like, the first one, I think maybe she could have done this one but I've seen this other actress I'm not sure what her name is yeah. uh, it's escaping me in this sort of like role before or a role or whatever but you know it's just I don't know if she's that strong and I don't know if the part was written well enough for her I don't know I don't know where the blame lies on well, that one the, he murders her in her cell he he, he stabs a a handcuffed old lady like she's completely she's crazy, crazy and she deserves to spend the rest of her life in jail or to be executed or to whatever the state would dictate yeah At, even if she didn't directly kill any of those people she allowed it to happen and enjoyed enjoyed the show uh you know there's no no tears for her but like again william Forsyth becomes the villain of the piece when he gets his hands on these people and he's torturing them, are we feeling, yes, justice is being served? Or, you know, oh no, Bill Mosley's getting his hands nailed to the chair. It's going to be really hard for him to hold a knife the next time he encounters a family that yeah. he wants to slaughter. You know, it's, you know, it's funny, though. I started thinking about this, and it almost reminds me of like a philosophical life question that Rob Zombie is trying to do. Maybe I'm reading too far into it on this one. But it's this idea that you know, there's people who believe in capital punishment, which is represented by the lunatic police officer <laughs> exacting vengeance. And then you're like, and for those who don't believe in capital punishment at any cost, did he create or villainize enough of these characters for you that when they start getting tortured, that you're okay with that? And for me, that's where I sort of saw that movie. Maybe I'm reading Maybe it a that's little where bit they differently. Were, if that's where he was going, that's not where... I, I didn't get that. Yeah. I didn't get that. For me, I saw that they were in the clutches of the villain. And the villain was torturing them. And how are they going to get out of this jam? Is he going to burn them alive and get away with it? I wish he would have. Yeah. I wish the house would have went on fire and then credits. I do. And, um, you know, they get hurt and tortured, and I didn't really mind about that. But no. they again slip the noose uh, one more time, and it leads to the climax of the film. Hillbilly MacGyvers. Um, they play the Freebird anthem, like almost the entire song. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, an ode to independent spirits and renegades. Driving down the American highway being, in an American being car. Being free. Being yeah. free. And With shotguns in this and... context, being free means... 
killing people for pleasure, you know? And when they're slow motion being gunned down by the police, I really do think we're supposed to feel like, yeah, those free birds are being gunned down by the man. And I just <laughs> yeah. can't fucking allow Okay, yeah, that. with that ending, I have to, yeah. And if that's that not what sense. they're going for, I would love you to explain to me what they were going for. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, was it ironic? I mean, to them, they were free spirits, but to us, it was evil being punished. Again, that that was not the feeling that I was presented with, and I didn't get the... That was the feeling that they were trying to get me to be presented with. I can respect how this was made, and I'm not going to pick on Sherry Moon Zombie the way a lot of people do. I don't think she's terrible. I certainly don't think that she's amazing. And I do think it's worth noting that I don't think she's been cast in a movie that her husband didn't direct or produce. So, uh, I mean, my big beef with her was just Halloween too. No yeah. purpose to well, the story. I'm going to spend some time on that movie on yeah. another day because <laughs> that movie is just a fascinating catastrophe. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's an interesting, it's an interesting movie. I, I yeah. think of all of these movies, it, it's probably one that you could get a lot to talk about. And uh, I have some respect, in spite of the harsh things that I'm saying. I have some respect for yeah. Rob Zombie. But I do not get the love for The Devil's Rejects. I really don't. No. I actually like the Halloween movies more than this. Halloween 1 I liked more. Yeah. That's a controversial statement to anyone who's seen Halloween 2. But Halloween 2 is just so fascinating in its craziness that, that it has an edge on this one, you know. Yeah. And again, he's making his movies. And I will continue to watch them, even though I have mixed feelings about most. No, but one in ten, they say, with directors, right? <laughs> if you can make one movie that's, like, decent or good yeah. out of every ten movies, they say, you know, that's at least how many it takes to make one good one. So I'm counting with him. Well, um, I am. I'm looking forward to taking a look at Lords of Salem, which I've heard is kind of... Uh, a little bit of an acid trip of a horror movie. Mm. Um, and yeah, I want to see more from yeah. Mr. Rob Zombie. Um, this movie has promise, but for me, a little else. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of Alexander oh, Osher, okay? okay? Yeah. Uh, a movie that very well could be on this list is the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. We already have representation from a remake, and we have yeah. another Aja film, so this, this is a fine inclusion. I definitely do think this qualifies, but uh, yeah, he did, he's done a couple of remakes uh, uh, outside of France, and... Uh, yeah, the Piranha 3D, or yeah. Booby Fish, as I like to call it, uh, which is... Uh, Taws with Jaws. Yeah, well played, sir. Uh, definitely a guilty pleasure, but, uh, you know, not poorly executed. And 
I have to say that Hills Have Eyes remake is pretty impressive. I am very impressed with that uh, movie. He did a less impressive movie with some cool sequences called Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's an interesting director. I yeah. will check out what uh, he has to say. The movie that put him on the map is the movie that we're going to talk about right now. And it's called High Tension, or Hot Tension, I believe, originally. Um, it's about a couple of students uh, who go to a farmhouse for a weekend to hang out and to study. Mm-hmm. Um and with the one girl's family, yeah. Yeah, one of the, it's one of the girl's family sort of her escape, and this friend of hers tags along. And uh, some really horrendous shit starts happening. Um, it's very well made, uh, and again, it's, it, it's French, and it's, uh, you can tell that the acting is genuine and good. Uh, great, rich production values. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kills it is, of course, what we're going to talk about is the yeah. third act. Yeah. No, I, I like Alexandra Aja, but I, I I do not like high tension. Oh, and it hurts. No, no, no. This is one of those movies where you uh, can see the good movie that's there, but it is just pulled away from you right out before of your, your fingers. Eyes. Yeah. Um Yeah, again, spoilers away on this movie, but in order to adequately explain it, we're just gonna have to explain it. Uh, here, I'm going to hand this over to you, Jared. All right, so... Hot tension. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because in the beginning of the movie, you see this truck driver in a cornfield uh, getting what appears to be fellatio <laughs> from what we find out is then a severed head. <laughs> Throws it out of the car, and that's the beginning of the movie. Clearly, this is our killer. Right. It's sort of this Johnny Cash wearing a trucker cap looking situation which they show him way too much i'm resentful of the movie especially when it comes to the third act yeah because they portray him as a very specific image and type he's a big fella he's a big fella he need have to be to carry out some of the acts that he does yeah he's, he's got some jason Voorhees level strength at time you know which you know contradicts the very ending yeah, being spoiler we'll alert yeah <laughs> you know is the one girl yeah our main character is batshit crazy out of her mind. Now, I guess what we're being subjected to is what's happening in her head. She can't deal with the fact that she's a crazy murderer, so she's inventing that there's this guy killing people. But we see this guy, and we see this guy perform feats of great strength and violence that I do not believe that this woman, who has got to be 90 pounds soaking wet, uh, would be capable of, first of all. And... This is not a twist. This is this is this is a rip off. This, this is, is a pull. they were cheating on this there's, account. Absolutely, like, uh, it doesn't make sense. There's no way you can predict the twist, and that might be mistaken for clever by some people. No, but I felt lied to. Uh, this reminds me of. Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese did this movie Casino. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw some spoilers in for some Casino. But at the very beginning of the movie, we see Robert De Niro get into a car, and that car explodes. And the credit sequence happens over him exploding in the car. Yeah. And the movie leads up to that point, and Robert De Niro gets into the car, and he does not explode. And that shit pisses me off. Yeah. That's absolutely. not you tricking me, that's you lying to me. And I have to believe and this I've, movie yeah. lies to us. I want to believe that I have Scooby Doo like detective, uh, you know instincts when I come to watch movies I want a chance to be able to guess the twist I don't want you to tell me the twist early and I don't want it to be so easy that I figure it out I want enough of a mental challenge that I can try and guess a a twist 
And if I don't get your twist, I want to be able to rewatch the movie and, and then, see and, where I missed yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? And that's and that's there's the no code is. to this movie no. and no real plan to it other than wouldn't it be cool if it was her the whole time? She's uh deeply in love with her classmate who is just gen- genuinely I think just thinks of her as a friend yeah. and just wanted this weekend escape to get some schoolwork done. And here's another note that I have to just jump on that mm-hmm. is that is the exact same relationship we have in Martyrs. Yes. In well in the fr- in both of the French films it's two friends one, one of them has crazy. like a, a like you know like a wonderful lesbian love crush on the one <laughs> and the other one was either like was unavailable in some aspect either being batshit crazy or just you know oh they're just, just my friend you know it's another film that of course involves an assault on a family as well yes french <laughs> dynamics i don't quite understand you um and this movie doesn't pull punches the violence no. in it is horrifying yeah there's a sequence where uh the perspective that we have is that our character is hiding in a closet while the matriarch of the family is having her throat slashed and uh we see her looking up through the blinds and seeing our our supposedly hiding heroine and she's sort of gurgling and gasping why 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 Okay, well, I guess when we watch it again, she's asking this girl, why have you killed me? Why have you done this to my family? But the perspective that we see is our character hiding and shivering while the violence happens away from her. And this happens again and again. Uh, Are we to predict it because she somehow miraculously always finds the safe place and is just within reach of the violence but not directly affected by it? I don't know. Maybe it's too highbrow for me. Uh, I do think it's amazingly well made. Yeah. And I do, I guess, give it points for not pulling punches. A precocious little boy gets blown in half in a cornfield, you know? Yeah. Uh, Wow. That shit's ugly, dude. (laughs) Showing the villain, though, when it was that very specific type, it wasn't like this anamorphous figure or like a Dario Argento film where the killer all we see are their hands, yeah. which actually is funny because they always used to be, I think, his hands in the films. Uh, you know, but it's like, you know, seeing something like that or seeing some violence is cool, but when you depict it as a very specific type and you show the guy and you have the whole him in the van scene with a severed head and then at the end... And the other thing, too, is he has a truck. He follows them in the truck she goes to the truck. The there's this truck. There's, there it does, there's no way that two vehicles can be taken. She takes the girl out of the truck afterwards, yeah. after she falls. The, the logic, there is holes like Swiss cheese. Yeah, I'm pretty I am sure that the gas ever. station attendant at least looks directly at the truck he at does. one point, too. He does. He, so at that point, he's seeing her hallucination, which makes no fucking sense. No, and that's and, what I'm and again, so offended by. <laughs> taking the movie at its word, she comes running into this restaurant and tells this dude, I'm being chased by a guy, please call 911, protect me, protect me, protect me. And then she kills him. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, this ninety-pound woman with a fire axe, and I, where did she get it? Yeah, and how did uh, and like? Again, we don't get a do-over too. It's not like they flash back and show no, all no, the yeah. shit that goes on. Um, well, they showed the security tape of her killing. The I things. guess, I guess. Yeah, but still, it didn't make sense. I felt lied to. Like yeah. I said, uh, the production value is great. 
I think mm-hmm. the performances are, are are fine, but the movie is betrayed in its very screenplay. It was it, before the cameras rolled. There were some real problems. Yeah, and I think if you didn't show somebody doing the violence, then we would obviously know expect this this twist to be happening, and that would take some punch out of it. Mm-hmm. I would have almost preferred that it was some random crazy guy and that she somehow escaped him and that we never really understood his origins. It was a survival horror. It would have been derivative and I probably, you know, would have said it was it was better made than it deserved to be, but is a fair example of a slasher or torture porny genre. Yeah. But that they decided to go Shyamalan on us and tried to be clever and failed so miserably stings. Yeah. Uh, you can see the talent there, and like I said, he would go on to do great things, and I will watch the next Alexander Aja movie that comes along, which is apparently uh, starring Harry Potter himself. Harry Potter? Yes, and it's uh, based on a novel written by the son of Stephen King. It's Ooh. called Horns. Oh, I've heard of that. Ten uh, points, Gryffindor! <laughs> um, so, yeah, I look forward to seeing other better movies from Aja. Yeah. I have to say, uh, disappointed with High Tension, another another film with a much better reputation than I think it deserves. I think it uh, falls short in many aspects, and I just, I think they'll definitely fall on the bottom of the list this week. Are we there yet? We are making the turn now. It's the last house on the left, in case you forgot. It is the only house for miles, Dad. Do you guys need the car today? I was thinking I could meet up with Paige. Have fun. I don't think we've met. I'm Paige. This is Mary. Hey. What do you feel like doing tonight? I think Justin here could be kind of cute. <laughs> Evening. You knew not to bring anybody back in. You made the front page. That's what's going on. This is none of our business. I'm sorry, ladies. Oh, my God. We just can't risk it. Two lovely girls, Justin. Bring her back! You got her. All right. Uh, the Last House on the Left. This is, like I said, the remake of the Wes Craven film. And it's directed by Dennis Iliadis. It was uh, shot in South Africa. It's got a very, very strong cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, this is closer to my wheelhouse of film. It's a little yep. uglier than I like to go, but uh, it's closer to what is my familiar ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing in this is sort of the morality of it. One of the big grandpappies of the torture porn genre is a film called I Spit on Your Grave. Yep. Uh, it's about a woman who was brutalized and raped by a bunch of thugs who manages to turn the table on them and basically brutalizes and tortures them to death back. And uh, it um, felt so justified in that yeah. ending. Uh, and that's sort of the line that it, that, it, that it draws, and that's sort of the uncomfortable question that it's asking of it. Like, she deserves vengeance. Her anger is righteous. There is but, nothing she could do that is enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But is it a work of entertainment to watch her get her revenge? Are we still cheering for her by the end of the movie? Uh, is she as damaged by this as, uh, as you know, her victims? There's a lot of questions. Uh, I don't want this to sound like an endorsement of that film, by the way, because I'm not particularly a fan of it. But this movie sort of goes into a, a similar direction, yeah. and it sort of touches my 
sort of parental nerve. <laughs> oh, I understand that for sure. The character, the main, the, basically the story is, is that a, a family that live in a nice, creepy, obscure, wooded location, like which happens to be the last house on the left of the... Which street. is a dark way to give directions at this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Their daughter goes out to hang out with her friend one day and gets mixed up with about the worst group of people you could possibly imagine. Shadiest characters. Horrendous shit goes down, which we will talk about in more detail later on. And she is left for dead. Uh, the parents, unaware that this has happened to their daughter, end up taking in the people who have perpetrated the crime upon their daughter during a dark and stormy night. And as they slowly come to realize who these people are and what these people have done to them, they decide that they need to take action. On a premise level, I would say it's as strong as any in the list that yeah. we've looked at. The mother bear. Yeah. And uh, like I said, the parents who played by Tony Goldwyn and Monica Parler in the, in the movie, mm -hmm. uh, I, my heart goes out to them. Because I know personally, if someone did any kind of violence to my kids, I would probably be going to a dark place pretty quickly. Yeah. You know? Uh, Sarah Paxton plays her daughter. She's sort of a... She's been an actress for a long time. She yeah. used to do sort of sweet, cool uh, Disney-type movies. And now she's sort of got herself mixed up with movies like uh, this and The Innkeepers and Shark Night. Uh, she's becoming a little genre queen in her own right. Disney princesses uh, go yeah. to interesting places after they're 18. She's a good actress, yeah. and she's got this sort of great, sort of sweet, innocent vibe to her. So to have her be the victim is very perfect because... Uh, She's sort of a, she always plays somebody whose emotions are out there on her sleeve. She seems very vulnerable, mm -hmm. and we don't want anything bad to happen to her. And we know right away that something fucking terrible. terrible is going to happen to uh. her. And the the stress of that is is a large part of the horror in the movie. This was this was a very emotionally effective movie to me. Mm -hmm. uh, like it definitely wore on my nerves, and it definitely got my blood up. It made me angry, and it made me revulsed, and it did all the things that it was meaning to do. So uh, yeah. I'll let you get your voice in here too. Uh, when we first met to do rank and review, and we were talking about Plague and Apocalypse, we spoke of Garrett Delahunt. Yeah, he was in the road uh, in a small role. He plays sort of the biggest bad in this movie. And he gives an amazing performance. Terrifying. He is absolutely terrifying. He completely commits to the character. He is a believable monster. He is confident, ignorant, malevolent, evil. And he's not out of a cartoon. He's a guy that I believe I could and probably shit. does exist in the world. And it's horrifying to think about it, but it's true. Well, and it's funny, too, because that, you know, when you're an actor and you're typecast in that, which he seems to be in a lot of things, <laughs> uh, even in Deadwood or there's some other things that he's been in, uh, it's that sort of character. And it's like, to make your career on that is not only impressive, but terrifying and sad. <laughs> 
Well, he commits uh, 100%. Uh, and the other actor who is playing his brother, who's from Breaking Bad. Aaron er- Paul. Aaron Paul. This yeah. was uh, definitely before he was famous role. And uh, he's sort of like the guy who you get the feeling he wouldn't be as bad if not for his association with his sociopathic brother. Yeah. He might be a decent guy, but he didn't really get a fair shake because... He Still was, a little rapey. He, yeah, well, no, they're all terrible. He was certainly... they. Uh, I'm not defending them, but they were raised by wolves, obviously. Yeah. They would have had to have been to have ended up this fucked up. Um, and the, the other member of this little trio of hate... Or there's, there's a couple extra. Quadro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to mention Ricky Lindholm. The kid? Uh, no, she's the, the, oh. the girl... I guess Aaron Paul's girlfriend, I think? Or, yeah. I'm not sure where she fits into the group. She's totally in love with Garrett Holt, Delahunt. Yeah. There was a vibe between her and Aaron Paul as well. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but she is part of, like, she's one half of this musical comedy duo called Garfunkel and Oates. And I love them. And they're <laughs> so sweet and charming. And <laughs> so she funny is and... so horrible oh, in this awful. movie. How do you fall into a role like this <laughs> when you do that? And <laughs> kudos to her. She played it well. And obviously she was playing against type. Because I refuse to believe that one half of Garfunkel of Oates has an ounce of this vitriol in her. <laughs> no, no, so, no. Yeah, like I say, overall, the, the cast is, is great. Um and uh, the, this movie sort of takes its time. We get to know everybody and where they fit into the group. Yeah. What did you think of Last House on the Left, Jerry? I, I love it. Uh, I thought it was, especially in this genre, I think it was one of the more top quality choices. I, I do like I Spit on Your Grave. Uh, and it is one of those movies where it's like, you know, same with my psych law class. Like, it's hard because it's like, we always talked about, like, do you believe in capital punishment? And no matter who was in the room, it's like you say, oh, no, I don't believe in it, I don't believe in it. There's always an instant or a situation where you think, maybe I don't. Yeah. You know, this I can understand completely, and I feel like these movies often try and bring you to that point, especially in the payback situations. You're like, I understood that. And I think I'm that like, this one's one of the most effective in that, though. I'm, as a rule, against the death penalty, but I'm also on a case-by-case sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 it's not a death issue for me. It's like, um, I'm for euthanasia, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> assisted suicide, things like this. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm, you know, it's a complicated issue. And this movie doesn't really delve too deep into it. But no. I say I'm I, I'm against the death penalty, but I have to add a caveat. Yeah. That if it was my kid that was killed or raped, and I happened to be in a situation where that person responsible was there, and I was holding a baseball bat, I would probably kill that guy. Yeah. And I would probably whistle my way to jail. Now, I don't know <laughs> what that says about me, but I think it's a true statement. I feel like that's such Do a true not, statement. There's some Papa Bear here. Yeah. Do not fuck with my kids. Oh, exactly. And, uh... Sarah Paxton's character gets fucked with. Her wow. friend is yeah. murdered, and she is raped and almost mur- murdered. And uh, she just runs afoul of these people who have... Uh, uh, Garrett Delahunt has recently been uh, escaped from police custody in another brutal sequence where he kills a police officer while showing him a picture of his own daughter. Garrett Delahunt makes his crimes personal. He seems to really enjoy, you know, putting the worm on the hook and watching yeah. it squirm. Uh, 
and uh, he he's so hateful that a large part of the movie is waiting to see what how they're going to get him. Yeah. How are they going to? What can they possibly do to balance the measure of this evil? Yeah. And once the plot moves to the main house, which is where the bulk of the second half of the movie takes place, we get a series of showdowns between these people and Sarah Paxton's parents. Yeah. They separated them really nicely, though. Um, Yeah. No, it doesn't feel like two different movies. It's not one of those sort of broken films in that way where you definitely feel a dividing line. But Sarah Paxton largely disappears from the movie. Yeah. I do want to give her credit. I mean, it was a difficult role. And she did a really good job. And that sequence where she's assaulted is repugnant. It is really hard to it's, watch. It's funny. I can watch Martyrs again. Probably like, you know, uh, I could probably watch that more than I could ever watch that scene. I just, I want... I mean, it's somewhat graphic, but it's nowhere near as graphic as it could be. But it's horrible. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. And yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Just absolutely. Yeah. There's no um, way anyone can feel good about that scene. And that sort of there's nothing titillating there's, about it. No, there's and there's no nothing way. that could top that in like my like you know revolting feelings. And that scene, Sarah Paxton's parents don't know specifically what happened to her daughter, but whatever they imagine, this is close. Enough. Wow! Like they find out she was raped. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, here's the moral crux: Do you call the police or do you de- deliver your own justice? <laughs> and um, Everybody is punished in this movie. Everybody is punished yeah. in this movie. And I do think that it is, as much as it clearly is a movie about violence and torment, hence it's among the selection, yeah. it is also about the morality of it. Yeah. I honestly think that it only really goes off the rails in the final seconds. <laughs> Which really, really, really disappoints me. But it is honestly the last 15 seconds of the movie. The microwave? The microwave. The microwave. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just goofy. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. Yeah, okay, go for it. Yeah. But um, all of the villains over a series of very well done, suspenseful, and horrendously violent sequences uh, are, are killed. Uh, and it's left with Garrett Delahunt, who has actually been paralyzed and cannot move. And the very final scene of the film is Tony Goldwyn, the father of the victim, puts his head in an industrial microwave and sort of talks to him briefly, torments him a little bit, and then turns on the, the microwave on high, walks away, and he starts to scream, and his head explodes. Like a watermelon and a hammer unsatisfying you know no. what if he was just paralyzed oh and just if he was just paralyzed and that guy was talking about what he was going to do with him and how long he was going to be tormented they could have just panned out of that barn yep. and and the credits roll and i would say like wow i have seen a good example of torture porn and I, that would surprise me but it's really hurtful that it is the last few seconds of the film I it's know. a film i wish i could take scissors to in that regard because yeah. uh I have a lot of good things to say about uh, yeah. this movie, and the I was surprised. The cinematography, everything. Aaron Paul was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole cast just did a all of the death job. was felt. Even the bad guys, oh. their, their deaths were so ugly that, that you just like, it affected you viscerally. Yeah, yeah. yuck. Definitely, the this is where I'd say some of the higher standards of this genre 
comes to is something like this. And I, and I want to believe that I think most filmmakers want to get to something that good and edgy. Right. But I just don't think they've, a lot of them do. And that's where some of our bottom lists might be. Yeah. Well, I mean, kudos. They went there. They went ugly. And they managed to be about something. Yeah. I don't know that all of these did. Most of them tried, but this one, I think, This one, I think, was successful, yeah. Here's another torture porn entry that really overperformed in the box office, uh, to yeah. to haters of the genre. Uh, Hostel. Uh, this is definitely one of those films that seems to have a love it or hate it sort of uh, yeah. vibe to it. It's one of those divisive films, but the people who love it really love it, and the people that hate it really hate it, which is kind of interesting because uh, I think I'm sort of sitting on the fence myself. Oh. <laughs> um it's an interesting movie, and yeah. like I say, it does try to be about something more than torture. Yeah. But I think in a lot of ways, the villains were more interesting than our protagonists. I felt for the protagonists, I was definitely cheering mm-hmm. for them to get out of their predicament, but uh, the, the world, villains yeah, the, the world, world I created in. made me more interested in the villains, and the fact that they made a point of making our protagonists... These kind of shallow dicks who are... Oh, they're just a bunch of frat dicks th- from they're, they're, America College. Yeah. We're here to exploit the locals. Do, know, drugs, do drugs. Wreck your shit. Break glass in the street. Be loud. America. Screw women we don't give a shit about. And uh, make them a punchline to our bar buddies. Yeah. Uh, again, the, these are our protagonists in this movie. And um, I don't relate to them. Particularly, I mean, hey, I I enjoy I enjoy debauched uh, behavior as much as the next guy, but I want to like these guys. I do. Mm-hmm. Now they definitely make a point with one of our characters. They try yeah. to make him the softer of the two, who is sort of being dragged into this yes. debauchery. But oh, he's too. Once he gets around the boobies and the booze, he he yeah. starts da- tapping his toes to the music, as I believe everybody would, would. you and myself, likely included. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's set in a great world. I mean, uh, there's something really vulnerable about youths backpacking around Europe, and there's all sorts of yeah. great authentic environments which they shot in. These were not these weren't painstaking sets. No. These were found locations yeah. that were quite horrible. <laughs> Local extras and whatnot. Yeah, um, where the movie gets interesting, and it takes a while to get interesting, and I think that's my problem with mm-hmm. it. Where the movie gets interesting is when we find the world of uh, of these torture chambers. Uh, and the people who will pay top dollar to have the experience of being able to go into a room where there's a person tied to a chair and they can do anything they want to them and have no repercussions. Yeah. And in order for this experience to happen, they pay a lot of money. And uh, in horrifying, but I mean, if such a horrible thing existed, I kind of believe it would be true, there was a, a pecking order to the price. And the highest price would be paid to Americans because there's a lot of uh, American hate out there and, and uh, 
yeah, who who wants to bring the pain? Yeah. Who wants to turn the screws on some punk American kid who thinks he's so entitled and deserves all of these things that he takes for granted? Um, little bit roles of people who would pay money to, to torture people are in a lot of ways more interesting than our central characters. Yeah. Um, there's a sense of humor to the movie, too. Anyway, I'm taking over the review. Please, Jared, tell me, what did you think of Hostel? I loved Hostel <laughs> ever since I've seen it. But uh, once again, the last time I watched it, I did start picking it apart a little bit more than I ever had before. Um, but I think that as one of the movies, it's fun. It doesn't hide what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a torture movie. And I do agree that the characters murdering uh, you know, these youths and whatnot... It are more interesting than our actual characters. I, at, at the moment, you know, in university, I can relate to these guys where it's like, especially when you're in university, you feel so much pressure in everything you do. And I'm like, and my plan is like, the minute I can, I, I, I want to go do something like backpacking. Right. And then I'm thinking, of course I would decompress in a completely <laughs> terrible, debaucherous, like, adventure and maybe that's why they're so arrogant and ridiculous, is I'm like, that pressure I understand. I'm pretty sure that wherever I go, I will be, like, on my face, like, drunk and partying for at least the good first week, yeah. just to get it out of my system, and then, like, you know, maybe go on the rest of the trip from there. But it was it was a solid movie. It had, for exploitative uh, factors had enough boobies and <laughs> violence that it made my yeah. checklist. And it reminds me a lot of the movies that I would see at, uh, you know, old film revival things or movie nights where you take an old, like, exploitation movie, you know, or, like, they have those midnight madnesses here in the city and stuff like that where there's, like, that little subculture of people who just, like, watching these exploit old exploitation films. And it kind of has that modern view of that for yeah. me. I mean, I'm I'm... I'm not going to say I'm going to be was off put by all of the boobs because that would just be an outright lie. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I guess I, I appreciate them aesthetically, but I appreciate it that it's, it's reference to where they are. They're in brothels. There's going to be women with their boobs out, and uh, you know uh, what I what what I was made less comfortable with was them being made into punchlines, and that's very deliberate. Uh, a part of this is uh, sort of vengeance. It's cultural vengeance is being yeah. dished out on these American punks. And they kind of feel righteous about it. The girls who sell them, the girls who they bought to sleep with, then in turn sell these guys to be tortured. And they do so quite coldly. But maybe no more or less coldly than these guys would fuck them and throw them away. That's, like reverse sex traffickers. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're getting payback to all those guys that didn't treat them right. And, yeah. you, know, um, you know, they give them guys the one good night, and there's something deliberate about that, I think, too. Yeah. Uh, they, they gain their trust, and, and, and then the next night is when shit goes bad. Which, that's the one thing I couldn't quite understand. I'm like, do you guys have, like, a pattern of this is what you guys do? I kind of felt so, yes. Or you want to rotate... Because, I mean, they have the two groups of girls, but they were two different girls, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But they get they get paid both nights, they right? They get paid both nights. Um, and uh, they don't... The guys don't know it, no matter how ridiculous or shitty the guys act towards them. They have the time of their lives, and they're allowed to have the time of their lives. They're not in on the joke. 
Yeah. The joke is this is the last night of their lives. Exactly. Right. Uh, and that's well set up. I think the first half takes its time. Yeah. Um, it could. This could be also just movie weariness because I did watch six of these in very close <laughs> time. But I felt the time in Hostel, especially the first uh, 40 minutes or so, kind of when the movie kicks in is once we get into... Sad to say, but true. Once the once the violence hits, once once we get into the torture chamber, um, yeah, we we lose our our friendly, likable character, and the movie shifts its focus to the character of Paxton, who was kind of more kind of the shit disturber yeah, yeah. of the two American kids. Well, anyway. he's a vegetarian. Yeah, <laughs> a vegetarian American. <laughs> um, he manages to escape his torture chamber but yeah. not unscathed and it's Ooh. basically a twist of fate that allows him to get out of that predicament it's no real heroic moments no. on his part it was he ha he was given an amazing opportunity and he took it yeah. you know <laughs> it's the lab rat going free and you're rooting for it at this point even if he was a complete dirtbag piece of shit which like he was pretty shallow and dismissive of people, uh, but he was not deserving of this. No. And you're on his side. His buddy has been murdered. Yeah, and you almost chalk it up just you there against... And then, yeah. Um, but the, the energy of the movie gets amped right up at that point, and uh, then I get into the movie. Yeah. Um, another point that I will give against it, there's a sequence, a rather horrendous one, with a woman with her eyeball hanging out of her yeah. face and it's a horrendous moment and there's Terrible. a big spurty scene where uh, in order to help treat this girl they're not going to save the eye i don't think either of them no. believe that they will he basically cuts it off and we just get a horrendous sort of gushy splurty sequence yeah it was the least convincing prosthetic oh, effect of the movie it still had sort of a visceral yuck effect for the idea of it but uh, I was pretty convinced by a lot of them, people getting screws drilled into their shoulder blades and shit like yeah. that, uh, or the, the, the cutting of the Achilles heel and all of these things were, were, were brutal, uh, and that eyeball was a laugh. That was almost an Evil Dead 2 moment you yeah. know, in a movie that wasn't that. <laughs> well, it's weird, because I know he likes his like on-screen special effects, but uh, I was in Vegas, and I was walking by the Eli Roth Horror Museum, Oh yes, and you can go in and take a look at props and... All stuff. It's like a large haunted house, and they're charging oh, a ridiculous fee, like of 18 course. bucks. So I might have to go inside. But like I've seen pictures of it, and I've heard from other people, and the few props that I saw in the front, it just looks like Walmart Halloween props with like arms and stuff. And right. it just, and I was like, there is a bit of a cheesy factor to Eli Roth, American Horror Story. I'll give you that, but what are you doing with Hemlock Grove? I only made it three episodes. But I couldn't take it. I okay, can't. Yeah. It. It's Twilight for. HBO or something. We're not talking about Hemlock Grove, lucky <laughs> us, we're talking about Hostel. <laughs> um, largely, I think this movie is successful, it does set out to yeah. do what it does, and when the tables finally get turned and we get to see Paxton get some payback, just uh, by sheer luck on one of the women as well, and uh, that was when it was a hurrah moment, and I felt that lift in my stomach, and then I yeah. instantly hated myself too, right? Like... 
that was murder. <laughs> but it, she was just so cold. She was so cold that she needed to not be alive anymore. No, you know? exactly. But, yeah, I mean, the st- even the stuff you like in Hostel, you maybe don't like yourself for liking in Hostel, but I'm not going to deny that it mm. wasn't well made, and it didn't serve its purpose. I understand why people hate it. Yeah. I understand how, like, a woman would, would watch that movie, and this is exploitive, and think less not only of the movie, but of anyone who would <laughs> say anything good about it. But yeah. those women probably aren't listening happily to this podcast. No. <laughs> and those women, this this movie doesn't lie to you. It doesn't pretend to be anything but what it is. And uh, it's torture point. Well, and what yeah. I find interesting, too, is just on the fact that a lot of it isn't uh and an interesting dynamic to the movies we watched uh it doesn't focus on female violence you know uh, especially these french ones was heavy on female yeah. violence you saved that for the sequel you saved that for the sequel dealt violence being dealt to the women yeah um there's interesting things to be said about that movie as well because they focused more on the villains we get to know more about this yeah this subculture but that's a conversation for another day um never watched the third one there's an actor in it uh, I can't remember his name right now but uh, uh, Paxton meets him and he's waiting for his turn to uh, to go in and torture and he's so stoked to be there he is like a kid in a candy store and he keeps on smacking himself in the head with the gun as he's talking yeah. it's a really great one scene role and uh, I don't know if it's true or not but in the Entertainment Weekly uh, notes and trivia on the movie they say that that actor gave himself like a mild concussion from doing so many takes and so excitedly bashing his own forehead with that prop gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, everybody yeah. involved was enthusiastic uh, and participating and knowing exactly what they were making. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of movies I like to believe that friends make. <laughs> not one to bring home to mom. No. But not horrible. Once again, to get our way through six movies, and it's Jared and I once again just peeling through the bleakest of cinema we can possibly find. I'm going to have to make next week's episode some kind of an antidote. (laughs) (laughs) To neutralize the poison that is brought into your ears. But thank you for enduring the torture porn with me. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm glad that I got a genuine fan to talk about them, because I didn't want to just be like, ick, 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 down, down, down. Yeah, it's... I'm actually surprised how many positive things I am going to say. Um... But again, overall, if these sound like movies that are going to upset you, they are. And if yeah. they sound like movies that are going to entertain you, they probably are. Well, and <laughs> that's your specific to the person. And I think you just come back to the fact that it's like, I know with myself, 
I love how they make special effects in Hollywood, and what I'll give to a lot of these movies is they do a lot of on-screen effects, and it's sort of like seeing a special effects thing. You're like, how did they? Yeah. How did they do that on set? How did they do that without CGI? Yeah. Genuinely interesting as like an actual process. Yeah, I kind of miss like I I'm always harping on CGI, but I do miss the classic prosthetic effects. I mean, I've given the choice. I will I would take prosthetic effects every time. Yeah. But like I say, this marriage that they're starting to learn where they have both can really work. Yeah. Jared Berry, uh, please rank and review some torture porn for me. All right. So at the bottom of our list this week is Saw. Oh, wow, we made it to the very bottom. Yeah, I have a genuine distaste for this movie and franchise. Uh, I think it was sunk by acting that was phoned in. The only one I think who took it seriously was Danny Glover. What was and he doing in that movie? He was, was a weird choice. I don't understand, but the fact that he's still getting work, after, <laughs> you know, I, I genuinely am like, yeah, solid. Yeah. But it's just, uh, I thought it was just a terrible movie in general the shittier version of seven right. i saw seven i loved seven don't try and convince me that you made the new seven or don't do this derivative seven and pretend that it's something amazing it, yeah, and it's, new. <laughs> yes yeah it, you weren't nearly as clever as seven was fair enough quit trying so Number bottom five. of the list all right the next one is high tension right uh i can't get over the cheat yeah. I love the, uh, like, normally I can get behind a film with, like, great cinematography and acting and things like this, but the cheat was so offensive to me no. <laughs> that I just, I couldn't handle it. We are on the same page there, absolutely. <laughs> can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. But, so for me that falls, you know, second to the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one we have is The Devil's Rejects. Uh, you know, it wasn't the worst movie, I wasn't the best uh, Rob Zombie does some amazing things visually, and the nostalgia for the 70s almost makes me wish that I had that. Right. You know? And so I think for that, it sort of falls in that place. Uh, the next one is Martyrs. Uh, not only did I think it was really well made, but that first half uh, absolutely terrified me. And it's interesting, being, uh, weirdly enough to say... Uh, a genuine fan of this genre, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, it's never really a comfortable label you're okay with, but uh, the fact that there are some things that occasionally still make my skin crawl, like the Saw movies, I'm like, eh, I feel like I've seen it everywhere. Yeah. This one came out of left field for me in a few different directions, and I genuinely appreciate the physiological responses that they <laughs> gave me, Oof. because I haven't felt that since I was like six years old and terrified of the dark. Yeah. You know, so for that one, I put in, you know, a number three. Um, I definitely think that, oh, did I, yeah, Hostel, I think, would be number two, just because I thought it was a fun movie. Right. Uh, it wasn't trying to be anything that it wasn't. I feel like the people who made it genuinely had a fun time on it. <laughs> it was cheesy uh, and and things like that, but at the same time, too, I thought it was a... You it know. was fun when it wanted to be and was real when it needed to be. Yeah, and I and so I think, you know, it was what it was, and so I'll put it as my number two. My number one is Last House on the Left, partly because of my soft spot for Aaron Paul and Breaking <laughs> Bad, I think, but I, I think that it had some of the most solid acting, and plot-wise, I mean, it wasn't too extravagant, 
but I genuinely understood why vengeance had to be took, mm-hmm. and I wanted to believe it. The The last few seconds was a throw moment for sure, but it's, it's still, overall, I understood that movie in a very primal way. Yeah. Alright. Um, we're 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 close, but uh, we're not giving out any prizes today. Did we they? switch out martyrs <laughs> and battles? <laughs> um, you know, we're not so different as to be drastically. No fights are going to break out no. of torture porn. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Again, none of these are date movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, none of these should be watched by anybody who doesn't know exactly what they're getting into, which is grim, ugly visceral violent material the least of these movies is high tension and i was i was mad i was made angry by the end of this movie and it's one of those movies i've said it before and i will say it again you can see the good movie underneath all of the mistakes being made you know you can tell that the guy making this movie knows his shit knows how to work your nerves knows how to build suspense but when they try to get ultra clever with that twist at the end of the movie no, it's all untethered. We are on the same page with high tension. I just thought it was actually slightly worse you know, than I guess you did. Sob is my number five pick. Um, you know, I, the, this just sort of speaks to me of the banality of evil yeah. <laughs> as far as Hollywood is concerned. You know, um, I, I appreciate that this was one of the... This could count, you know, as my sort of low-budget horror movies that, that sort of explode and make a franchise out of themselves. I don't think when they made this Saw, they knew that they had the next Friday the 13th or whatever. They just wanted to make money on DVD sales. Yeah, um, and, you know, a lot of people made a lot of money off of them. But yeah. uh, uh, if you were to argue that this was the best of the series, it's a pretty sorry statement. Yeah. Um, I wasn't that overwhelmed by the twists of the script i've seen so many derivations of this that uh you know i was not surprised um it's interesting because like i say the director i think is going to go on to great things uh and uh put that chapter behind him (laughs) uh we're agreed that number four is the devil's rejects again i'm sort of mystified by the level of respect that this movie gets it's very well made and uh like I say, Rob Zombie knows how to put his vision onto the screen. Um, I just think we have very different tastes. Uh, the making heroes out of these, you know, horrendous, evil, redneck bastards just doesn't work for me as entertainment, no matter how well made. I just, for me, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't invest emotionally. I could only wait out the movie to be done. Yeah. Um, the movie wants you to invest emotionally, and if you can't, you just won't. Um, number three is where I put Hostel. There's some pacing problems in the first half, and there's, there is some ugly sexuality to the movie. All serving the, mo- all serving the movie, the plot, and the ideas. But, um, again, they put a lot of thought into finding a way to make an ugly, heavily sexualized movie that involves torment. (laughs) And I appreciate their honesty and commitment to those values. Absolutely. And it's certainly not pretending to be anything anything else. It doesn't try to pull the the rug from under you and fail. You know, it is what it is. It's It's what they would show in the 1980s at a (laughs) drive-in. I made Martyrs my number two pick. It is amazingly well made. (laughs) Um, It is 
like if not for this podcast, this is what I would call a one-timer movie. I watched it because of its reputation and because I'm doing a podcast on the horror genre and I felt this was a movie that had warranted my look. Um, I was not looking forward to watching it again. It really gave me a gut punch when I saw it. And that means that it was effectively made. Mm -hmm. But like I've said again and again, you know, they took a lot of time and a lot of pains to justify us showing a lot of torment towards women specifically in this movie. Um, and yeah, is that entertainment? Do I understand it as entertainment? I understand it as well made. Uh, yeah. And I understand it's number two. The Last House on the Left is the best of these films. Agreed. And uh, it's, it's close to like just a genuine endorsement. Like I say, that last 15 seconds, oh. I really, really, really wish like that he was just left in that barn paralyzed and we don't know what they do to him or how long they torture him. They just know like that whatever they can come up with to try and balance the scales to the horrendous acts that he performed. We didn't need to see a head explosion. and. No. I, I, I'm shocked that that's because everything the tone was so right up until that point is ugh but um, it's the last 15 seconds of the movie so I would encourage you to stop it before that happens now that we've spoiled it for you um, but it is the one that I think most effectively balances everything for me uh, yeah there's some really hard scenes to watch in this movie yeah. but uh, the acting elevates it and everybody takes it seriously it doesn't feel as exploitive because of how how it's handled yeah. professionally, clean. Well, not cleanly, but no. uh, seriously. Very seriously. Um, yeah. And and like I say, we weren't being titillated. That we weren't supposed to be thrilled by the sex or the violence in this movie. We were supposed to be repelled by it, and we were. Yeah. Um, kudos to the cast. Kudos to the filmmakers. And shame on whoever thought it would be great to have an exploding head in the film. <laughs> That's my ranking review. Are you ready to do some Jerry's yeah, Absolutely. Alright, um, it's time for the Jerry's, man. Uh, we came up with the nominations this week together, uh, but this is your episode, so you get to name the winners. Um, starting off with the biggest ick moments, um, and there were no shortage of ick moments in oh. those movies. I really, really needed to take a shower after watching <laughs> all of these. Hot shower with bleach. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, from Last House on the Left, Sarah Paxton being brutalized, raped, and left for dead. Dark. This is a long, horrendous sequence, and uh, wow. From Martyrs, The Assault on the Family. And when this violence is initially being dealt out, it has the extra punch of you not quite being sure if these people are deserving anything that's happening to them. <laughs> um, the hotel room slaughter sequence in The Devil's Rejects. When... Uh, the, the the fun redneck family decides to kill time while on the land by on the land by by randomly tormenting and killing people they've run across. <laughs> uh, those are our four nominees for best ick moments. Who's taking the Jerry? 
uh, it's weird to award something like this, but uh, it has to go to the rape scene in Last House on the Left. Wow. Uh, I was upset by a lot of things, but nothing upset me more than that. It was not not entertainment. <laughs> yeah, no. that was pretty pretty harsh, but it needed to be. All right. Um, for best acting in these six films... Um, I gave uh, a nod to the over-the-top but enjoyable performance by William Forsyth as the psychotic police officer in charge of bringing down the Firefly clan. Uh, still, as crazy as he got, I, I kind of thought he was doing the good deed trying to kill these people. <laughs> but uh, that's me. Um, Aaron Paul, uh, as the younger brother of the two evil bastards in The Last House on the Left. Yeah. The slightly less evil of the two. Yeah. Might have been okay with some counseling. <laughs> yeah. He might have been okay if he didn't hang out with his brother ever, but yeah. kind of hard to uh, meet that. We also have a nomination for Garrett Delahunt uh, as the lead, and like I said, I, he, he chilled my blood. He definitely yeah. he definitely gave that performance. He, that wasn't a phoned-in, mustache-twirling. No. This guy was complex and evil in a way you don't often see. I'm going to murder her name, but um, our lead character, Moriana Aloui. From Martyrs? From Martyrs. Uh, I apologize to everybody who knows what her name should really sound like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she did, it was a difficult role and she did do a good job. I mean, that definitely came through in the translation. So uh, who would you give the, uh, the award to? Oh, I want to say Aaron Paul, but I know it wouldn't be accurate. Garrett Delahunt. Garrett Delahunt? Yeah. All right. Creepy dude. Creepy so, in everything I've I ever seen him in. It. Aaron Paul was really good in it, too, yeah. but I do think Garrett Delahunt. I think all was... our nominees did put in solid performances, but I think he walks away with the prize. I endorse the choice. It was a good choice. And uh, Aaron Paul is still in the running for uh, Jerry. As we oh, maybe he'll win. Next. I don't know. We'll see. I, there's a little bias here, but they're your Jerry's. Yeah. So. Best kills. Were there kills in this movie? Yeah, there was there one were or kills. two. There was, there, was a, there, there was at least one. We joked about doing like the best family slaughter because we had like several. <laughs> several to choose Entire from. families being wiped off. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, best kills. Uh, Aaron Paul getting his hand sort of garbarated. Oh, so good. And then getting the, the uh, heel of a hammer plunged into the top of his head. Such a good kill. Uh, and uh, you can just see he just shuts off the second that hammer comes yeah. down. Everything just stops. Just a light. That's well done. Uh, um, yeah, the William Forsyth killing the matriarch of the Firefly family in Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Uh, slowly and painfully with the knife yeah sort of sawing into her belly with a knife we don't actually see a lot that that's one of the that's few what films i liked that about it pulls, few scenes in the in that film that actually shows some restraint um but again it didn't work for me in making him particularly a villain i mean yeah he's clearly a bad police officer he clearly just murdered someone but that woman was just a slathering lunatic uh, so, I mean, uh, there were no tears shed for her either. No. I mean, I would have been really happy if the movie would have ended with him killing all the fireflies and then himself, you know. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, there's a character towards the end of the Martyrs film who I'm convinced is sort of a, a past victim of this cult who is in a, sort of a sweet 
nunly looking old woman who, who ends up blowing her head off with a with a gun. It was a pretty disturbing moment in an already disturbing yeah. movie. And uh the mother, we talked about this in the review, the mother in uh, high tension. Yes. Staring as we find out into her killer's eyes with her throat being opened up, asking why. Why? She's been nothing but sweet to you. She fed you. Yeah. Why? What was the best kill in our six films on torture? Oh, it's sort of a split between Aaron Paul and the mother in, in high tension for sure, but... I think that the, it was absolutely brutal, the long, painful kill of Aaron Paul right. with the hand in the carburetor. Yeah, and he then, couldn't really the, get out to defend himself, and, and at that point the they actually the were killing him. It was more to make him quiet. Yeah, <laughs> it was this weird, like, it was like trying to slaughter something, and then it realizes it, and it's just squirming and flipping out, yeah. and you have to continue with it. That's That that was terrifying, but, like, just just best kill. Yeah. By far. Aaron Paul is a Jerry Award. Yeah. It worked out, Jared. It worked it out. It did. All right. What the fuck moments. Oh, yeah. Best what the fuck moment in these six two. films. Yeah. Um, the much discussed microwave kill at the end of Last House <laughs> in the Left. What the fuck. Uh, the anxious torturer in, in, in Hostel. The dude who just can't wait to get in yeah, there. Yeah, he's so he's super stoked and so kind of jealous that this guy, uh, according to his cover story, was able to afford to torture an American because that would be so awesome. Well, and that he felt like he was, yeah. you know, the top dog and yeah. that somebody, oh, they're going to spend more money. Really respects the high rolling torturer. Yeah that, yeah, that was a pretty good what the fuck moment. Also from Hostel, there's this crazy looking, almost <laughs> hunchback dude who's in charge of dismembering and uh, burning the... The corpses, the bodies that this torture facility is producing at quite a high number. It must have been a busy day that yes. day. Woof. Uh, but yeah, very strange looking fellow. Very, very cinematic and disturbing. You know? mm-hmm. um, and the really horrendous Sid Haig dream sequence where he's having sex with this uh, at, in his dream I guess trashy in an attractive way uh, woman, and then when he wakes up, he's with this sort of horrendous Gorgon, <laughs> like demanding great. sex from him. Uh, again, this was yeah. the hayseed redneck Tarantino fuck heavy humor that that Rob Zombie is in love with. That is in all of his movies, and that I kind of wish, kind of wish he'd hire another writer. Sometimes, you know, it, like M Night Shyamalan, he's good. Visually, I mean, just do your someone else's script. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not even a horrible writer necessarily. It's just always the same. I think yeah. he needs to he needs to try a different tune. Um, but yeah, that dream sequence was what the fuck, and it's very early in the film, and it's one of the things that starts things off in a bad note for me. Just yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, best what the fuck moment? What would you give out of those? Oh, head in the microwave. Yeah, head in the microwave. I just I, hate I that just, so much. It, 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 it just threw it way off field at that point, and you just you left the movie being like, "I could, what I could unabashedly endorse that ugly, ugly torture porn movie if not for those past few seconds." Yeah, it's amazing how just a few seconds of film can do so it. much good. But uh, what are you going to do? How's this for a bizarre category? And our last one in this uh, <laughs> in this episode. Uh, 
Best laughs. Best laughs. Best laughs. Best, you know, these torture porn movies don't always have to be serious, you know. <laughs> um, you say the severed head sequence uh, early in high tension. <laughs> that that would almost qualify as what the fuck. It's, it's, a, well. it's a what the fuck. But you just, when you see that, you can't take the movie seriously. Um, the almost Acme uh, Wiley Coyote booby trap. In Saw that oh. befalls the Ken Young character. Yeah, he was planning to escape at some point, so he set up this elaborate trap with yeah, a shotgun. What moral travesties have these police officers do? Were they wrong to try and stop you from killing these people? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's sort of that tripwire trips the morality question of the movie. Um, and anybody who would try to defend, you know, the Saw character, Jigsaw, yeah. as like a Dexter figure, even if you, I can't defend Dexter either, but, no. you know, well, he only does it to bad people. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's, he kills cops and he's, he likes to see people. And a lot of these people, not worth torturing. <laughs> yeah, the, so the shotgun booby trap was a laugh one for me. Um, the saddest uh, torturer who inadvertently saws a hole in his own leg <laughs> yeah. and hostile and allowing our protagonist a fighting chance at survival. And the discussed long Freebird music video montage which ends The Devil's Reject and I think some sort of we're supposed to be emotionally... Uh, Either uplifted (laughs) by the braveness that they were facing their fate and just accepting that they were going to be killed. But certainly, you know, the the wrong emotional buttons were being forced on me there, uh, I thought. Um, I didn't laugh. Uh, My jaw was just dropped. I was like, really? That's what we're going for here. But uh, it made a nomination for best laugh because you certainly couldn't have predicted that ending. Yeah. Uh, what would you give the award to? Uh, definitely the anxious sadist. Uh, <laughs> you know, saw it, all, saw it himself, you know. There's it, a great humor beat in that movie, yeah. too. Uh, before he fucks it up and saws his own leg, uh, he actually gags the, the Paxton character because he's making so much noise, he's whining so much that he's taking some of the fun out of the torture. <laughs> yeah, like he expected him to be still and okay with we it. We are thrilled to see this guy fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and that movie yeah. has a few laughs, and that one was definitely the biggest. Jared, thank you so much for returning for Rank and Review and for watching another six horrendous movies. You've now watched 12 of the darkest movies <laughs> in my collection. It's funny, they're creeping into my soul a little bit. <laughs> but so like, someone has to do them. Like next time we're going to have to do six <laughs> best snuff films. Yeah, <laughs> just keep going up in the ante. I don't know, do. I don't know it can go darker than that rape scene in Last House on the left. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Fair warning to all of my beloved listeners, um, I just have to say it out loud once. If you are interested in watching these torture porn movies, if it is your cup of tea, by all means, there'll be no judgment from me. But let me discourage you from watching six of them within a short time frame. I do think it will have some negative effects on your psychological well-being. If you would like to write me and let me know what you thought of this show or any others, please do so. You can do it at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W 
at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I promise you next week, we'll have a much softer topic to discuss. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you again.